This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show the co-founder and director of the Donor Sibling Registry. Let me welcome Wendy Kramer. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming in. Introduce you to Tyler Merritt, my co-host for the day. So I was saying off mic, um, you know, 20 years ago, we probably would not be talking about, you know, this topic. And I said, we've come a long way. And you were like, "Mm, we've come a long way in some areas and not in others. Explain. Oh, boy, that's a big question. Um, Well, back when I had my son in 1990, things were very different. It was mostly... Uh, heterosexual infertile couples who are utilizing uh, sperm donation and egg donation. And over the years, that landscape has changed to where now about 50% of the people using sperm donation are single mothers by choice, about a third are LGBTQIA, and now less than about 20% are actually uh, infertile couples. So that landscape has changed. And another big change is that, you know, the donor sibling registry, so we're, we were formed in 2000, we're a nonprofit, and we are all about allowing donor conceived people and their families to make mutual consent contact with their genetic relatives. So their half brothers and sisters and the biological parents, the formerly anonymous donors. And what we've learned over the years is that it's very important for donor conceived people to know about their ancestry, their medical backgrounds, and their close genetic relatives. And this is something that the reproductive medicine industry has been very slow to acknowledge. So we're helping these families connect, but the industry itself, the reproductive medicine industry, is still working very, very hard to keep donor-conceived people from their genetic relatives, specifically their biological parents, the egg and sperm donors. As we, um, you know, I was, I was talking to you off mic, a lot of uh, women, they, they, you know, they're in their careers, they never find the mate that they want and they want to have a child. What is the process? Because uh, it's expensive, right, to find... Is it sperm donation, egg donation? What what are, what what are the different avenues that people go to 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 um, have a child? Well, usually um, for sperm donation, it's not that complicated. I mean, really think turkey baster, you know, um, <clears throat> and you buy a vial of sperm or a few vials. Um, back when I did it in 1989. It was about $200 a vial. Now I guess it's like 800 or a thousand a vial. So many women wait, like myself. Wait, wait get, pause for a second. Cause Tyler's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so who gets the thousand? So did men get a thousand dollars? Wendy, Wendy, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I read Hi, a you and you are, you are incredible. But with that in mind, I just want to ask, cause I'm sure there's some people listening. Not that I care about this. I mean, <laughs> but let's say someone, <clears throat> wanted to donate their their the stuff <clears throat> i mean is this 
is this something that they get paid to do or I'm just asking for, I don't know. Yeah. Kidding. So, so the way that it works, I mean, these, the sperm banks usually recruit from colleges, right? And they put up ads around that say, come make $1,400 a month doing what you would do for free anyway. What? Wait, wait, uh, excuse me, Wendy. I think something happened with my connection. How much did you say? $1,400 a month. And okay. sometimes, sometimes more than that. Yeah. I got one questions more, one, though. <laughs> I got <laughs> questions. I, this, I, this whole thing is taking a hard left. So, so you said something about they go to colleges. Is it because there's an age limit? Um, They prefer younger men. And the thing is, because they don't properly educate or counsel these young men, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, they're getting these young men in who are really not making educated decisions about, you know, it sounds like, oh, wow, $1,400 a month. That's book money, beer money. You know, that sounds terrific. What they're not being fully educated on is that they're creating human beings. And many of these donors, like mine, was promised, don't worry, you'll have no more than 10 kids. And, and we know you can't limit until you keep accurate records. They don't have accurate records. So we have now on the donor sibling registry, many groups of half siblings that are more than 100 and even more than 200. What? We, I, I was watching these documentaries of uh, doctors who were impregnating, you know, saying that they were using donors, but it was actually their, their sperm and all of these now have siblings who have come together and they're angry and they sued. This has happened more than once. So now we also have young men on campuses. I just had another question, Tyler, like you're going to these campuses because you want the best and brightest sperm as if going to college somehow makes your sperm superior, right? Are they also doing racial genetic, you know, like uh, we only want white, blue eyed, blonde sperm from people, the sperm from the people who look like that. I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask them, you know, the donors that they um, accept. So, and so they I'm asking, accept. can you choose, you, you know, you get a booklet, right? You know, you, like, it's like a catalog or it's more like online dating, maybe where, you know, I want a six foot tall Asian man with, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You can pick the height and the weight, all non-identifiable information. Sometimes you get what you asked for. Sometimes you don't. Um, you just never know. And you think that the sperm banks would be more closely scrutinized because they're part of, you know, we we think the medical industry. But the truth is, um, you know, they, there's no regulation. There's no oversight. They can basically do and say whatever they want to. So they promise limits on the number of kids. So here, let me give you a, a, a little math. Sure. So my donor donated for five years. So usually the, for the sperm donors, you agree to do it one year at a time. And during that year, you agree to donate two to three times a week. Every donation can be broken out into between four and 24 sellable vials of sperm. So that means every week there's a potential 75 sellable vials of sperm. My donor donated for five years. That's a potential 19,000 
sellable vials of sperm. And even if you go, okay, well, that's, you know, not all those are going to be viable or sellable. Okay, knock off 90%. That's 1900. And even if you go, oh, even that's ridiculous, knock off another 90%. That's 190 kids. Oh no, we we're, we're tracking the math, and I'm horrible at math. I am so connected with what you're saying right now, Miss Wendy Kramer. So, so let me get a couple things clear. First thing, let's just say that someone wanted to go do this. Um, are there sperm banks everywhere across the country? Yeah, there used to be lots of clinics and facilities like in universities and um, small places. Over the last decade or so, they've all consolidated. And now there's maybe five big ones who have gobbled up all the little ones. They've bought everybody out. And so there's probably less than five that probably sell more than 90% of the sperm. And I'm, that's not a... A fact, that's just my guess. And okay. And the age group is they like it between 18 and like 22-ish? I think so. I mean, although I think you can donate if you're older, you know, on some of the, the sperm bank websites I've seen that they'll take people up until the, in their 30s, you know. Oh, so yeah. In their 30s. How old are you? You, you don't know that you don't know he, that. He's 29. He's he's 29. Tyler Merritt, you can still do it. $1,400 a month for five years. That guy did, did pretty well. Um, you're a sperm donor. And you, when did you tell your child that they were a product of a, a donor? Well, so I was married when I used a donor. And then when my son was a year old, we split up and he was out of the picture totally. Wow. So my son... I was raising him as an only parent. And when he was two, he was in preschool. He was seeing kids with moms and dads. And he said to me, he came home from preschool, two years old and said, so did my dad die or what? And I thought, okay, I guess we're having this conversation now. And it was a very short two-year-old conversation about the mommy has an egg, a daddy has a sperm, you know, I wanted to have a baby, blah, blah, blah. It was very quick, but it was important. It was the cornerstone conversation that we would then build upon, right? So he was two, and then he was very curious. By the time he was six years old, he was looking at me saying, I want to know who my biological father is. And I remember thinking, of course you do. Oh my God, what have I done? What do I do? And at that point, we had to wait for social media to be invented. And in 2000, there were Yahoo groups and that's how we started thinking, maybe I can help him get his questions answered, but hey, maybe we could help another person or another few people. Never imagining that we would now have 83,000 people on our website. Wow. Wow. We're talking with Wendy Kramer. She is the director of the Donor Sibling Registry. You can go to DonorSiblingRegistry.com. How many siblings does your son have? Uh, as of today, he just got a new one last month. Um, his group is at 25. Wow. So they're genetically siblings. Do, do they? They share the same, same biological dad. father. Right. Yeah. Do they look like, I mean, that's. Oh my gosh. Do they go to Thanksgiving? Do you have Thanksgiving dinner with the siblings? I mean, well, the problem is with us and with a lot of the other families on the DSR is 
location, right? Because these sperm banks ship sperm around the world. You can have half siblings anywhere, coast to coast. My son uh, just a couple of years ago got his first half sibling from Puerto Rico. He has another half sibling that was, uh, I think she was born or raised in France. You know, so we're coast to coast, up and down, they're everywhere. We um, did do a get together right before COVID where a bunch of the half siblings and the biological father came and they all got to meet each other for the first time. And it was uh, emotional and wonderful. And wow. it showed, I think all of us what's possible, right? When you're not afraid of these connections, when you look at it, like it's just expanding family and it's just more love. So the so biological father came to a meeting with all of the seed he spilt across the world. He exactly. Came... Exactly. Not all of them. So I think there were like seven or eight of them there who could come. We all flew to Portland for one of their, one of them had a wedding and she invited the half siblings and I rented a great big house and invited the biological father. And we all stayed in the house for the weekend and wow. It was really, really wonderful. Wendy, was there any, you know, uh, thoughts of getting with this uh, biological father since he is the father of your child? You know, it's funny. When we first figured out who he was, when my son was 15, some of my people, my friends, my family, they're like, oh, wow, he's really good looking. And the thought that I had was, Ew, ew, he looks just like my son. Who could ever sleep with the, the father of their child? You know, but it, it's weird. But coming from where I was standing, this man looked like my son. So it was for me like, ew, who would do that? Every, every woman out there that has a child, it looks like their husband. All right. Or I know, boyfriend. I know. But when you back into it from the other side, it's very different. Yeah. Karen. Karen. Yeah. Karen. Yes. Yes. Tyler. Tyler Meredith. I don't here. know where this interview was supposed to go. <laughs> Me either. I don't know. Is I'm. I know this is a good thing. The red. The DSR. She says. But Karen, I don't know what to do with my life right now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Listen, my job is to provide information. Wendy's out here doing a service. There are people who are looking for their the, the siblings of the people that they've gotten sperm donations from. And we are here to serve the people. Wendy has a registry. If you have gotten a donation and you want to join the registry, I think you should. I think these children should grow up. And this is what we were talking about earlier with secrets. People not be the fact that you were honest with a two year old and you were able to build on that truth so that it was never like a shocking thing. Well, uh, kudos, you know, let me tell you. So probably the last 10 of my son's half siblings to come along have found out shockingly through DNA. So they have all come having no idea they were donor conceived. They swabbed their cheek, put it into 23andMe Ancestry, and it's you have a half sibling, you have a half sibling, you have a half sibling. Their parents never told them. And... Or for a couple of them, 
they were told at a very young age, but then it was never talked about again. So for some of these people, they're, they're shocked. Oh my God, wait a minute. What does this mean? And who are these people? Are they my family? So it makes you really look at what makes a family, right? So how do you, we're all kind of having to redefine family and what it means. The amount of emotions that I have gone through in this interview, I have gone through the thought process of how I pay my rent every month, how easily I can do this by giving two or three, to walk into a room with 78 kids that look like me and then the mama trying to throw down because she wants some to maybe like hook up and then realizing it'd be dirty. And now I don't know what to do with myself, Karen. Wendy, I think what you're doing is amazing. I think what you're doing is fantastic. But I'm gonna be honest with you. You changed my life today, Wendy. Changed my life. Uh-oh. That's so sweet. Well, I think these are good things because if you don't know anyone that's a product of a sperm or egg donation or has used a donor or has been a donor, you will at some point meet somebody who is one of those stakeholders, right? So I think for everybody, the general public, it's really good to educate yourself about what are the issues. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, these kids just want money. You know, no, donor can see people don't want money. They don't want you to pay for college. They don't want to disrupt lives in any way. Um, my experience is everybody's so respectful of each other's boundaries, but for donor conceived people, they just want to know where do I come from? Who are my people? Uh, what are your hobbies? Were you good at art? Do you are you a fast runner? Like, what's your have has anyone in your family had mm-hmm. cancer? You know, mm-hmm. like these really important questions that help, especially as a teenager when you're first defining who you are and who you're going to be as an adult, having a lot of these questions answered can really help. And as you're forming your identity. I need to have you back when Tyler's here, because we do have 50, 11 billion more questions, but Wendy, this is a a great start. Uh, There's a whole mental health component that I want to get into with you. Uh, Will you come back? Absolutely. All right. Wendy Kramer, you can follow her at DSR Wendy for Donor Sibling Registry, which is what she has. DonorSiblingRegistry.com. 